0: This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. This morning, I would like to continue the study which we have been doing on the Ten Commandments of God. We read the Ten Commandments of God in the book of Exodus. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 17, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 17, I think we'll read the scriptures, Exodus verse, chapter 20, verse 1 to 17, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath of your Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Nor his male servant. Nor his female servant. Nor his ox. Nor his donkey. Nor anything that is your neighbor's. So we read the ten commandments the Lord has given to the children of Israel. And last week we gave an introduction to the Ten Commandments and we completed the fourth, first four commandments and we talked about some of the misunderstanding about the Ten Commandments you know we we, we come to know that even you know the churches are being churches are you know, removing these Ten Commandments from their teachings even the Ten Commandments are removed from different places in the government offices where the Ten Commandments used to uh, you know used to be kept but now the churches are going back and even we don't see you know we don't hear many preaching on the Ten Commandments uh, and I, I as I was preparing you know it is really tough to preach on the Ten Commandments that's what you know I, I, I could make out probably that's the reason you know people are really you know afraid to touch this uh, section and we were trying to you know clarify a few things there Je- people believe Jesus came and he fulfilled everything and we don't need to do anything now Jesus came he fulfilled the law and we believe we don't need to do anything that's the end of the law and he, we, people also believe that Jesus came to abolish the law you know, but Bible doesn't say that Bible says in Matthew 5, 17 and 18 if we can read, Matthew 5, 17, the New International Readers Version says, it gives a response to that kind of thinking in Matthew 5, 17. It says, do not think that I have come to get rid of what is written in the law. Or in the prophets, I have not come to do that. Instead, I have come to give full meaning to what is written. What I am about to tell you is true. You know, here Jesus is telling us, it's not that I have come to get rid of what is written in the law, but I have come to fulfill the law, or I have come to give full meaning of what is written in the law. And in Matthew 5.19, Jesus is not only asking us to follow the law, but Jesus is also asking us to teach the law. He's asking us to teach the law to others. In Matthew 5.20, Jesus is setting a higher example or higher standard to the ch- children of Israel or even today to the church. And he is telling us, your righteousness to exceed, should exceed the righteousness of Pharisees. You know Pharisees and the scribes they are the ones who follow the law literally word by word. And Jesus is telling us your righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Means your righteousness should be much more than the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. So Jesus is setting an example just over the law. He expects us to follow the law and he expects us to follow much more than what we can do, what the law demands. So we talked about the first four law. The first four law defines the relationship that we need to have with our Lord God. The relationship that we need to have with God that we see in the first four laws what is the first law it says in verse 3 Exodus chapter 20 you shall have no other God before me that is the first commandment you shall have no other God before me and this is the commandment about loyalty how loyal how truthful how faithful we need to be to the Lord you know there are people, they believe superstition, they believe idolatry, they believe astrology, you know they cannot substitute God with those things, God is above all God, and we cannot have any other God, you know there are people, they believe in deities in saints, and they try to substitute God with those saints, and they start worshipping saints, and God says clearly, you cannot have any other God before me, you know some of the theories like Darwin's theory talks about evolution and it says you know there is no real creation God does not God has not created anything it's all came by things which were existing so we cannot substitute God by those theologies and those thinking and with the we, we talked about the second law it says you shall not make for yourself any carved images So that's the second commandment is about worship. How do we worship our God? You know we struggle to worship because we don't see anything in front of us. The people who belong to the other religion. They want to have something in front of them. So they can understand their God. And God is telling us you shall not have any form of any image. You shall not make any. Not even bow down before them. And not even serve them. If we do this. You know, God, Bible says, he's a jealous God and he cannot handle it. You know, God doesn't allow us to worship any idol. Idol worship is totally prohibited. God is totally, is a jealous God and he doesn't like that. And if someone does that, and Bible clearly says, visiting the iniquity of Father upon the children. You know, if somebody is deviating from this Ten Commandments, Bible says... It's not with you, I'm going to inquire, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, the punishment is going to go upon your generation to the third or fourth generation. You know, today we talk about so many generational curses and so many things I am going through because my forefathers, they have done something which was not pleasing God. And God, the Bible is talking about that. And But he says, but somebody who obeys him, somebody who loves God and he keeps his commandments, his mercy will be for a thousand generations. So God is a merciful God. And God is making us accountable. That's what we saw there. And the third commandment in verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The third commandment is about reverence. How you know? How do we fear our God? How? What kind of importance we give to our God? It talks about respecting God and God's name. We also talked about profanity or the usage of God as a slang. You know, just for anything and everything, we use the name of God in vain, and God is making us accountable not to do that. And He talks about how do we honor God? How do we honor God? How do we worship Him? And the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We talked about the fourth commandment. It is about sanctification and our relationship that we need to have with God. You know, God need to be God God expects us to worship him and he expects us to keep the Sabbath day for him you know we also talked about God of this age that's the devil the prince of the air has blinded the eyes of children of God and he's taking them away not to worship God not to come to the church on the Sabbath day we talked about that and we talked about he's a deceiver you know he cunningly he puts things in friend of people and he is making them to deviate from the word of God. Jesus followed the Sabbath day. His apostles followed the Sabbath day. And But today the world doesn't understand because the world doesn't have the knowledge about God. And we cannot expect the world to tell us you go and worship God on Sunday, on the Sabbath day it is not possible, world will not do it, but instead world will tell us to work on the Sabbath day, so if we listen to the world, we will end up in doing and working for the world or for our living on the Sabbath day, but God is expecting us to keep the Sabbath day for godly things and for things about God, and but instead we need to tell the world that this day is the day we need to worship God, you know I thank God for those shops which are closed on Sunday. I thank God for those businesses, those are closed on Sunday. Why do they do it? You know they are encouraged by everybody to have business on Sunday. Because Sunday is the you know, day when many people go for shopping and then they have good business. But you know, these children of God, they take a decision, they will not open the shop no matter what it is. You know, it may cause certain amount of loss to them, you know, but they honor God. And God is well pleased in their decision of doing such things for God. And we talked about that. Just today, we will quickly move on to see some more, you know, commandments what the Lord talked to, uh, taught to the children of Israel. The next six commandments deal with the relationship that we need to have with other people. The first four commandments are the relationship that we need to have with God and the next six commandments talk about the relationship that we need to have today with other people basically the fifth commandment honor your father and your mother that introduces a series of commandments that talks about the proper relationship that we need to have today with other people you know the proper relationship with other people whom we deal with is important today. It may be with other individuals or it may be the relationship that we need to have within the family. It is important because the family is the one they form. The family together form the society. The society is nothing other than a you know, group of families. So if families together they obey these principles and understand what kind of relationship they that we need to have within families, the society will improve. And the society is nothing other than the nation. The whole nation will improve. They will, as we obey, as the families and individuals, we obey the, 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 the word of God. Let's go to the fifth commandment. Let's read it from uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. So God is saying you expect to live a longer day, you expect you to live long on this earth, healthy and wealthy. And in order to do that what we should do, we need to honor our parents, honor our father and mother. You know God places a primary responsibility of knowing this truth in our lives. God expects us to know this truth first of all that we need to honor our parents and secondly he expects us to teach that to our children you know when we teach our children that they need to honor the, their God and they also need to honor their parents it is an important truth. I don't know how, we need to think about that how many of us are telling our children that you need to obey me you need to give honor to me you need to respect me you know, today children they don't know. Some many children they don't know that they need to obey to their parents. Many children they don't know they need to listen to their parents. They think that you know they are their own, they are on their own, they can do things on their own. But you know they can do things on their own, but honoring their parents, giving due respects to parents. You know, we quickly going to see some of the practical things about that. So we who are parents, we need to obey God because God is our heavenly father. You know, we need to obey God and the way we obey, our children will observe us and they will obey to the heavenly father, to the earthly father. Of course, they need to obey to the heavenly father too, but they also need to obey to their earthly father as we father, we parents obey to the Lord. You know it is as important as we obey to our heavenly father. It is as important as for the children of this earth to obey to their earthly parents. You know when we first honor God. When we set a proper example by honoring God as parents. Children will start obeying to their earthly parents. They will also obey to God the Father as we love the Lord. As they observe us, as we work for the Lord, as we do things for God, children will also observe us and then they will obey. They will start doing the same thing for God as well as to their earthly father. You know God's instruction for the parents is clearly written in Deuteronomy. The Deuteronomy chapter 6 If you can quickly read that. We will read a few scriptures today. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 to 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So God is telling us that we need to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. And that has to be there in our heart. The word of God has to be there in our heart. And then He's saying you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall take talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You know, that's a commandment from God. What God is expecting us to teach our children? God is not expecting us to teach our children the general knowledge. You need to buy a general knowledge book and keep teaching about them. No, God doesn't say that. God doesn't say that you need to buy a Mickey Mouse series of books. Or, uh, what is it called? Scholars. Scholastic, some scholastic, buy that series of books and teach them. Every time when you walk, and when every time we, we, we you know we you lie, lie lie down, we need to just tell that stories. You need to talk about some fairy story, you know, tales or some stories from somebody else. No, God doesn't you know tell us to do those things, but God is asking us to teach these things. What He is asking us, all these commandments, you teach them. You speak to them about all these, you know, all these commandments, and diligently tell them, teach them. When you are sitting in your house, when you are traveling, you know, when we travel, you know, we, we give a pacifier to our children, correct? For the young child, uh, the little babies We give a pacifier, put something In their mouth and then so that they are shut, right They will never open their mouths. And for the children we have another pacifier What? We buy story books And give it to them, so they are on their own They will keep reading, or you buy Kindle Or uh, uh, you know, tablet And give it to them, right So they will browse and they will spend their time And enjoy, play and all, that's another Pacifier for the bigger children, right But God is expecting us To talk to them, we need to spend time with them, that's a complaint I get from my son. I don't spend time with him, but when we spend time with him, with our children, what do we need to do? We need to talk about godly things, we need to teach them. You know, there are thank God for those mothers and you know, those parents they teach the the Word of God as a story. You know when the children they are not able to grasp that, they just tell the Word of God as a story to them so it's all recorded in their mind. And the reason we teach the Word of God, ask them to memorize the Word of God scripture is basically uh, you know we are obeying to this Word of God this commandment. And God expects us to teach our children. God expects us to encourage our children so that they may grow in the Word of God. And we need to encourage our children today. You know we need to motivate our children today. God expects us that, as to do that. But at the same time let's never praise our children. You know some of the parents we do this mistake of praising our children. We'll never praise the children. But instead what we should do is we need to praise God for all the ability God has given them. You know th- that's a difference. I don't know whether you follow that. There's a difference of encouraging them, motivating them or praising them. You know some of our parents you know we take the children we tell them that you did a good job you know. You, know, you are this you are that And you know Your future will be like this We start praising them You know That will really puff them up And next time It's very difficult To handle them But we'll never Praise our children But instead Through them We'll praise God And make them To praise God You know When they are encouraged When they are motivated Tell them to praise God You just thank God for Because it's God that Who has given you To the ability Without Him You will not be able To accomplish that today You are able to get that Because of God so every everything we do, let's give thanks to God, let's give praise to God. You know, that's a good lesson because it will teach them, there is something above me. Otherwise, if we praise them, what will happen is, they think that they are the best in the world. You know, they think that there is nothing, you know, uh, above them. They are above everything. You know, if, let's never do it for our children. We tell them that there is God above and he is in control of you it is he is the one who gives you the ability to accomplish them that will you know bring them up in a proper way same time we also never forget to drive out the foolishness that is filled in their heart you know bible says clearly in proverb 22:15 and proverb 29:15 there is foolishness that is filled in the heart of children you know, every child when it is born, it is born with that foolishness. With that foolishness, nobody need to teach that foolishness to them, because their mind is already corrupted because of the nature of sin. Because and since we live on this world, which is which is full of corruption, which is full of the power of the enemy, they are already corrupted. So we need to remove that foolishness. And Bible clearly says, what what will remove the foolishness? The rod of punishment or the rod of discipline will remove the foolishness let's go back to our basics what we how we were brought out brought up in our days let's continue to do that that will bring our children in a proper way you know honoring our parents it doesn't stop at the when we are child when we are children even for an adult, it is a responsibility that we need to honor our parents. And those who are not having parents today, we need to honor people who are elder, people who are old, people who are in need of help. We need to honor them. We need to honor them. Yesterday I was just uh, in the Walmart and spending some time with um, uh, some of the old women. They are you know, uh, serving there, helping you know their, their story they were saying that we all had our homes I was living in a home and I was I was there you know because I wanted to buy some seeds for garden and things like that so they were saying that I had my home and I used to do all these things around my home but now I am just put in an apartment I don't need to do all these things I forgot about all these things in my life you know they're so old they're so fragile and you know their thinking is so limited now they're not able to consider those things they are th- just remember old things in their lives But now, I am not like that. I am not like that anymore. Now I am kind of confined. I am kind of limited. I cannot move around. I cannot do this. You know, that's the feeling they carry. Let's try to honor that kind of, you know, old parents and grandparents. The way we, how do we honor our parents? Listen to them. You know, listening to them is a way to honor our parents. It is tough to listen every day, half an hour to my parents. You know, they keep telling the same thing again and again. They keep telling about whole world, you know, they have so many stories to tell about this person, about that person, and I don't have absolutely zero interest in listening to those stories. I don't have any interest at all, but still I'm forced to listen to those things for half an hour every day. I need to listen to those things. Why? Because we need to try to honor them at least by doing that. We cannot do, we are not able to do many things to them. But in the little things what is given to us, let's try to do that. Obey them. Keep, you know, a kind of healthy relationship with our parents. It is very, very important. Give respect to their age. You know, at times when we go through this, we find they are so obsolete. We find, you know, they they, they don't understand what we are talking about. Correct? And especially when we give the phone to our children, they're not going to understand at all. The child doesn't understand and the grandparents, they they don't understand what he's talking about. He's talking about something else. Right? He's in a different world altogether. And parents, old grandparents, they don't understand any of this. You know, we need to maintain a proper communication, satisfied to their desires. You know, they have a simple desire. It may be so silly for us, but it is still their desire. Let's try to satisfy. it. That will be a blessing and it will honor them. And never think that, you know, they have already lived enough. It is my turn to live now. You know sometimes we think that. They are already older. They have gone through their life. They have enjoyed the life. They lived enough. Oh, it is now my turn to leave now. I need to take care of my things. You know we, we, we get that. I get that. That kind of you know <coughs> prompting in my mind. But we need to be careful in honoring them in everything we do. We need to honor to them our attitude to our parents is important the way we speak to them the words we speak to them etc it's all important you know by doing all this we can honor them but that puts two questions in my mind i, mean, I don't know whether you have that questions the first question You know, most of us are away from our parents, especially, I keep hearing that people telling me that they go through the same thing what I go through, what we all go through, right? So I think it's important to understand, most of us are away from our parents, and it is a question in our mind, are we really obeying to this commandment? You know, God is telling, honor your parents. We are away from our parents, we are not able to help them. When they are in trouble, we find it difficult to help them. And am I honoring God? Am I obeying really to this commandment, or am I not obeying to this commandment? and I was trying to spend some time to understand. At times, you know, we feel guilty that we couldn't live with our parents. On the other day, there is another uh, another man who was sharing his feelings with me. His wife's mom is so sick, and he, she's so well, so so sick and she's been going through a lot of pain but this man is, is trying to tell me I'm really feeling guilty about it You know, we are far away from my miles away from them and she's going through so much of pain in her life I'm not able to help I'm feeling guilty about that you know at times we feel we do feel guilty about our what our parents are going through you know some of us want to go back To our own countries at times when they go through real tough situation we decide Now I'm just going to throw everything here and go back and sit with them and live with them The question in our mind is Are we honoring God if we are not able to do all those things You know but there is again a two edged sword We see there In Genesis, Bible clearly says, Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The question is, should I go and live with my parents? And Bible doesn't say that. Bible says therefore a man shall leave his father and mother it doesn't say you can leave his father, your father and mother and how far you can go it doesn't say that you know you can sit, you can live in the neighboring house or you can live in the same city or in another city or it is a different country it doesn't say about that but it says very clearly and in new testament it is repeated again Man shall leave his father and mother and join us with his wife and they are a separate family. They are no more a same family. They are a different family now. So I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm obeying to the word of God. In Psalm 45 verse 10 and 12, 11 says Forget your own people, forget your father's house Then the king will greatly desire in your beauty Psalm 45 verse 10 and 11 god expects us to build our own family you know our our family will not be strengthened the relationship between husband and wife will not be strengthened if we bring our parents in between and god is telling us you are a different family you need to live separately as a different family so by doing this we are not really violating the law but we need to see in a given situation are we honoring god honoring parents that is important We need to be available when they need help. We need to be available when they are in need. We can take time to talk to them as frequent as possible. That's a way of honoring them. We can visit them as frequent as possible even though we are away. We can give you know proper monetary support to our parents so that they are not feeling they are left out. They are not feeling that you know, they are in great want or they are in great you know, need of money. We should be able to support them properly. You know we can. we need to make sure all their need is met but going there and living with them may not be the ultimate solution but we need to honor them in a given situation whatever is in, they are in need we will be able to we should be able to satisfy their need the second question which came in my mind maybe in your mind should we obey to my parents if they are ungodly my parents are ungodly parents. They don't know about God. But today I am a child of God. I know more about God now. What do we need to do? Bible says you need to honor your parents. Should I obey? And the scripture clearly talks about that. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter twenty. Ezekiel chapter twenty, my eighteen and nineteen. Ezekiel chapter 20, 18 and 19, 18 says, But I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgment and do them. Now, the Bible clearly says, if our parents are ungodly, if our father is ungodly, God clearly says, Do not walk in their idol worshipping way. Do not walk in their way. Do not obey them. But walk in my ways. Walk in my statute. You know, in Acts 5:29. Bible clearly says the parents should never instruct our children to do something that clearly contradicts with the word of God. Let's read that Acts five twenty nine. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Name. Yeah, so here we read, let's obey God rather than obeying man. You know, putting these two scriptures together, Ezekiel 20, 18 to 19 and Acts 5, 29, it clearly shows if a parent, if a father or parent is asking us to do ungodly things, we should never obey to them. Ungodly counsel. You know, our parents, you know, many many of us go through that struggle. If our parents are not godly, if they don't obey the word of God, if they don't listen to God, and they don't know the word of God, when they speak to us, the counsel we get from them is not godly. We should not obey that. We should obey the word of God. So honoring parents need to be very carefully approached and very carefully understood. And the, the, the fifth commandment or the sixth commandment. We read that in verse 13. Exodus chapter 20 verse 13. The sixth commandment. You shall not murder. You shall not Murder. You know the fifth commandment talks about you should honor your parents, honor your father and mother and the sixth commandment is you shall not murder. You know we are living in a generation where there is no value for human life. We are living in a time the human life is taken for granted and there is no value. You know most of the time the murder is a result of an anger people will get angry against somebody else and they are they are driven by the spirit of murder and they go and do the murder and here the word of god is telling to the children of israel as they were in the wilderness you shall not murder don't you know murder each other don't murder the commandment says god is the life giver and we don't have any authority to take the life of a human God is the life giver and we don't have authority to take the life of a human. You know, today there is a there are major problem with this commandment. I don't know whether you must be knowing about this. You know, there are group of Christian people, there are there's a group of Christianity, there are maybe many groups of Christianity, you know, they don't they say that they don't sing national anthem. Right? So they, they sing that they say that they don't sing national anthem correct and they oppose the death penalty. you know government is giving death penalty right government execute people if you know they, they deserve to be punished in that way. and this group of Christianity they don't even support that. They don't even support something called pacifism. pacifism is you know refusing to go to war if you are a citizen of a particular country and if you are trained in the military way you know you are expected to go for war when the war comes and this group of christianity they say that we don't i don't go for war because i will end up in killing people there so i know that's not for me i will not obey to this word of i will obey rather i will obey the word of god i will not obey to the government so the question is you know we need to understand that the killing is different from what Bible talks about, the murder. You know, there may be many things which Bible accounts, if you, you know question that way, so we can question many things. Is it wrong for governmental authorities to execute murder? Is it right or is it wrong? What is wrong for the Israelites to kill utterly and destroy everybody or the people who are living or occupying the Canaan? As they were entering into the promised land, they were just executing and killing everybody, those who were there. Was it wrong for Saul and his army to kill and destroy the Amalekites? Was it wrong for David to kill Goliath? He killed Goliath. Was it wrong? You know, we can ask so many questions because as we go through the scripture, scripture is full of mass killing. You know, at times we, we find it difficult to understand this. You know, that's one of the major questions that other religion ask us. You know, why so much of killing is, you know, is represented in the Bible? We can ask so many things. Was it wrong for Elijah to kill hundreds of prophets of Baal on that day? And today, even people ask questions. Is it wrong for the policeman to kill somebody with a gun? If someone is you know, trying to kill some innocent, is it wrong? Is it wrong for a soldier to kill somebody in the battle? You know, these are some of the questions which comes in our minds. But you know, the God is talking about murder. It's different from the killing correct it's different from the killing so bible bible accounts for so many things you know the children of god they executed as they were prompt you know progressing towards the promised land but god is talking about you know murdering somebody else for no reason murdering somebody else for without any cause you know you know god is talking about and he is saying that authorities are given to some people but authority is not given to you and me today to do this act you know which god prohibits so god is telling us you shall not murder but you know best way to understand this is jesus is augmenting this he's you know he's adding to this he's amplifying this fact in the new testament if we can read from matthew chapter 5 let's let's read that from what jesus says matthew chapter 5 verse 21 and 22. Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 and 22 You have heard that it was said to the o- those of old You shall not murder And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause Shall be in danger of the judgment And whoever says to his brother Rekha Means it's an aramic word Rekha means empty head means full Whoever tells your brother Rekha shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So it clearly says in the Old Testament it was told that, you know, don't murder. Continue to follow that. But I am telling, adding more to that. I am telling you that whoever is angry with his brother for no reason. You know, we are angry sometimes for a reason. But there are people who are angry with somebody with, for no reason. And God is telling that. That is equivalent to murder. The seventh commandment is in verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. The seventh seventh commandment talks about the purity in relationship the seventh commandment is about purity in relationship the fifth commandment is about the respect for human life and the sixth seventh commandment sorry the sixth commandment is the respect for human life and the seventh commandment is about the purity in relationship you know adultery is a violation of marriage covenant by willfully participating in a sexual activity with somebody else who is not someone's spouse. That is what is called adultery in the Bible. You know, today we may think, why God is talking about adultery? Why it is so important in Christianity even in the church today? You know, God is a God who knows what the church will go through eventually. And that's the reason He is keeping the scriptures, these precious words in the Bible. You know, let's look at some of the statistics. You know the recent surveys have revealed that 45% of women and 55% of men have been guilty of committing (laughs) adultery the whole world on an average 45% of women and 55% of men have been guilty of committing adultery approximately 60% of husbands and 40% of wives will have an affair that is an extramarital affair other than their marriage they are in love with somebody else they are in affair with somebody else that percentage is high 60% of men and 40% of wife 25 percentage of girls and 35, 30 percentage of boys have sex by the age of 15 can you imagine? think about our old days, you know how the purity was maintained until the point of time of marriage but now 25 percentage of girls and 30 percentage of boys have sex by the age 15, 21 percentage of ninth graders have slept with 4 or more partners 21 percentage of ninth graders all the little children, they go through so much in their life nowadays. And God is telling, you, you shall not commit adultery. You know, uh, we can go on and on. There are more statistics about that. 52 percentage of American women, 52 percentage of American women have sex before turning to 18. of American women having sex before turning to 18. You know today God is expecting the church to be pure in this matter. What is the result? The result is brokenness. Broken homes. Divorce single parenting, you know they are doubting partners and there is no peace in their home and children no more stays at home and because there is always fight at home and they just want to live on their own instability in marriage they are so fragile, anytime it can break and anytime we may separate, you know that's what they say usually anytime we don't know, anytime we may separate it's all so fragile and so much of frustration and quarreling within families and God is telling us, you shall not have adultery, shall not commit adultery. Where are the biblical standards? You know, it's is, it is important. The church think about that. Bible doesn't allow anything other than our marriage life. You know, today this country is affected, especially the, the, the Western countries are affected with, with something called the common law partner. You know you can you can live together but you don't need to marry. It's a approved, government approved way of living in these countries. You don't need to get married because, you know, people believe marriage brings it so much of responsibilities. They need to, you know, they are becoming responsible, committed. So people are not willing to commit to each other nowadays. And they just want to, but they want to live together. and They want to have children. But they are no more married. And because that allows them to just go apart, separate, at any point of time. The other day, a uh, little while ago, I was talking to another pastor of another church and he was telling me he believes this this scripture you shall not commit adultery it is so true, it is so important to the church today and he says marriage is so important because I conduct marriage, I do marriage I, I get people married in my church and I feel it is so important it's so solemn and it is so you know a precious moment that they are united in marriage as family. But you know I am not able to preach about marriage in my church. If I preach about marriage in my church half of the crowd will leave my church. Because they are not married, they are co-partners or they are common law partners. They are living together and if I want to preach them, marriage is nothing but common law partners, I don't have scripture to refer. Because none of the scriptures talk about living together other than marriage. And I'm not able to preach how do we to go about this i cannot preach that openly but heart to heart i believe that this is what god you know it's not only that church you know many churches they are not able to preach that today because you know the standard of god is so much degraded today and that is made as the standard of the world this worldly standard is made as the scripture sorry Marriage married life is a, you know it's a commitment you make. you go through that process and you come to the church and you go through the process, take that covenant and you make that covenant before God. right? We make that covenant before God and we ask God and they pray to bless our marriage. So once we make that covenant, we need to obey to the scripture what the Word of God says about our marriage. Because we need to remain true to one another, right? we I don't know, all of you would have made that covenant in the church. Don't you remember? No, do you mean common, law common law partner is, they don't go through all this process, correct? So there is no covenant made between them. They like each other and they decide to live together, right? Right? So, they, they, the, they may go to the register office or just register there as a common law partner, not as a married couple. Right? That's a separate clause. I don't know whether you would have filled the applications, right? Yeah. You fill, you make sure whether you are married or you are a common law partner or you are a single or a divorce or so many things, right? You, you fill that forms. So, it is an, officially it's an accepted status in the society. Whether you are married or you are a common law. You never heard of that? Yeah, so that's the difference, right? So, Yeah, that's the difference. They they, 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 they decide to just live together, right? And have babies. And that, you know, why they do it? Because they don't go through the other legal st- system of divorce. Divorce is expensive in this land. You you need to pay so much of fee and then you need to bring, you need to do it legally through a lawyer and you end up in paying so much and it doesn't get over immediately, right? So it will stretch and till that point of time you need to pay to the lawyer and you don't have so many hearings because the other partner will not leave you just like that. They will try to, you know, take everything from you. Correct? There is so much commitment when you have children and somebody else have to take care, one of the parents, they have to take care of the children or both, they have to share the responsibility of children. There is so much to go through. They don't want to go through all these things. It's an easy way to live together. That's what is called common law partner and Bible doesn't support that. Clear? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's move on. Let's, Let's finish it quickly. So marriage is honorable in the sight of God. Let's read one of the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. It says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So marriage is honorable. God expects us to work within our marriage it is important in 1 corinthians bible even says First corinthians 6 1 corinthians 6 9 to 10 1 corinthians 6 9 to 10 do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkenness, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So, Bible clearly says, if we do not obey to the seventh commandment, that you shall not commit adultery, Bible clearly says we will not enter to the kingdom of God. You know, Second Timothy two twenty-two, Paul writes to Timothy, saying that flee also from youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So God is expecting us. To obey to the word of God. Marriage is an institution established by God. You know what scripture is talking about if you decide to marry somebody and God expects you to live with the one whom we have married. And we not try to bring anybody else in that marriage and substitute our spouse in that place. That's what the Bible is talking about. So let us take time to reflect on our relationship, where we are, what God expects us to do, and try to obey to the word of God. You know, a small misunderstanding, a small frustration, a small unexpected expectation between the partners is the one it will result in the violation of this commandment. So you know as parents, as partners we need to understand and you know meet our needs accordingly. It's like a jar, it's like a glass jar, marriage life is like a glass jar. And you know, any time it can be broken. The moment you slip, it slips away and falls on the ground. It will break. You know, we hear so many stories, right? So many people, they were all together. And especially in the in the ministry circle, we hear so many preachers and so many children of God. They were together. They were in so much of love, so much of understanding. But then, some point of time in their life, something happened. They are no more together. It's like a glass, and God is expecting us to handle with much more care. And again Jesus is augmenting this command He is complementing or supplementing this command In the New Testament In Matthew Let's read the scripture and then we will close Matthew chapter 5 Verse 27 to 28 You have heard That it was said to those of old You shall not commit adultery But I say to you that Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her Has already committed adultery With her in his heart You know, it talks about the lust of the eyes, you know, the way we look, the way we think, because eye is an entrance or it's an entry point to the heart or to the mind. And the way we look, things need to be proper in the presence of God and God is insisting that. You know, I was trying to understand in a slightly different perspective. It is good to be modern. You know, but we must avoid anything that causes someone else to fall in sin, we should avoid. It is good to be modern, but we should avoid anything that will cause someone else to deviate from this law, to violate this law, we must avoid. There are two scriptures in this context. First Timothy. First Timothy. 2 9 to 10. I never understood these scriptures in this context, but today as we was preparing this, this was so relevant. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9. Here it says Let's read from uh, verse eight. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up the holy hands without wrath, about and doubting. In like manner, also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety, sorry, propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearl or costly clothing but with but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works you know i heard in a good amount of sermons people preachers taking the scriptures and ta- teaching about do not wear jewels You don't need to wear, you should not wear gold. But you know, I was trying to understand in this context, as we said, it is good to be modern, but we must avoid anything that causes somebody else to have a second look or multiple look on someone someone else. And probably that's the reason, you know, Paul is writing here, Women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with the braided hair all gold. you know these are the things which causes attraction for somebody else to look at. And Paul is writing it, don't use those such things which will attract everybody but you need to dress up modestly and it should you should dress up you know some, the way in the proper way that professes godliness in the woman. That's what I think Paul is writing here. In 1st Peter 3, 3 to 4, 1st Peter 3, 3 to 4, do not let your adornment to be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be in the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God you know the reason why god is telling us not to decorate ourselves arrange ourselves with so many things basically it will avoid an attracting somebody else so that they may fall or eventually we may fall into the sin of the seventh commandment and god is telling us this morning let's do everything but at the same time god is also you know encouraging us to wear dress in the modest way and you know we thought that you know you just need to go just like that without you know making uh, without getting ready for doing something, we need to dress properly. We need to wear things, do you know, wear dresses in the proper way, but not to you know make somebody to fall, to violate the seventh commandment. And today morning, God is talking to us about three things. The first one, God is expecting us to honor our parents. Secondly, God is expecting us to uh, keep uh, god is expecting us not to murder means not to get angry without any reason on someone else and thirdly god is also expecting us to keep our marriage life pure our life pure shall we just close our eyes hope you are blessed by this teaching please write to pastor balan swami nathan at balan at hipm.org god bless you